0: Welcome to happily ever after the podcast where we talk about life's big stories from great sex to sexual trauma breakups and breakdowns icky secrets and happy endings it's the stuff that makes us human and boy do we cover it all. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S dot com. I would be very grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review, because it means small people can find the podcast. And I also really, really, really love hearing from you, so please contact me through Instagram, at mumsdays, with all your stories of life and any thoughts you might have on the episode or even questions you want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After with me Hannah and today I have a very very special guest. I've got Jambo Dragon here with me. Hi Jambo. Hi Hannah. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you are like the busiest person in yoga is that about right? <laughs>
1: That's definitely, it's. A, I don't know about the busiest, but it feels like, it feels like busiest.
0: Feels like it, yeah. So when I was trying to write up your bio, I was like, wow, dude, this is actually really hard <laughs> because you do so much. It's like, you've basically created this career traveling the world, teaching people, Everything that you know, like these amazing things that you love and that really make a massive difference. So it's like you really like breathing. I That's love breathing. So it's yeah. like all the breathing side of things, but then there's, which you did a TEDx on. Mm-hmm. Well done. And then obviously you've got your meditation, your ceremony. You are a guardian, like a forest yoda guardian. So you've recently just spent 14 days with me. Teaching me how to become a yoga teacher. Um, you've worked with Fern Cotton. You've worked with the BBC, um, and every time I look on your website, you've got a new online course. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> this dude is busy. <laughs> so, yeah. How have you got here? And when do you sleep?
1: <laughs> sleep? What sleep? No, I'm joking. I'm joking, that is so not true. I'm actually a very greedy sleeper. I get between seven and nine hours a night. Nice. And unless I get somewhere close to that, I'm not a happy bunny and I don't really want to go to work. So I, I make it a, a habit to ensure that I definitely can sleep for that number of hours. I think that the best way that I can answer you is by saying that I grew up with meditation and ceremony.
2: hmm
1: So it wasn't something that I feel as though I had to spend a lot of time learning how to do because it was already just a daily thing. Daily thing, you know, we have a, when I was growing up, when I grew up and became an adult yogi and immersed within the industry of yoga, people would be very interested on doing things on new moon and full moon days. Mm Mm-hmm but we we always had to do this stuff you had to go to the altar you had to clean it you had to light incense you had to say prayers whether you wanted to or not you know it's just a thing that you you had to do so i feel as though i've had like a lifetime of listening to those types of prayers being shared so i i feel as though i have that as a as a as a bank within me and then when it came to the meditation practice it very much was here's a technique you work with it and then eventually the technique teaches you how to meditate if you like so sorry
0: so like sticking with it and just keeping going
1: that's right I was just having this conversation with with somebody that I also in this kind of context of 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 being interviewed on a podcast and so we were we were talking about how the practice the spiritual practice eventually becomes the teacher in itself And so I was lucky that I didn't have to do hundreds of meditation courses and, you know, like yoga teacher trainings don't have a lot of meditation processes in them. So I wasn't introduced to them within a a format of taking a course, but I've, I've been around enough yoga classes to see how people enjoy meditation processes. And I've just really learned from guiding people from doing it that way, sharing it, of course, sharing my own experiences of how of my own internal experiences of meditation whilst doing that. Mm -hmm. So I feel as though that's kind of like always been in the bag. It's always been something that I've just done. I've never had to like put a lecture, put in a lot of extra thought or, or anything like that to it. And then the other stuff with working with other people, I feel as though every, every now and again, I feel very blessed to have an invitation to work with some really exciting people, just like yourself. And it just happens, you know, I feel as though, how does it happen by actually being in line with my purpose, that's how it happens, like I'm not seeking people out to to interview me or to work with me or to talk with me or, or, or anything like that. I mean, if you look at my social media, I don't even really market, I just share, mm-hmm. really. And so, and then often people will ask me, hey, what's your marketing strategy? And I, I don't have one, I just want to share. And then what is it that I'm sharing? Like you said, you know, the stuff that I I love. I just love it. You know, and I forget certain sequences like acupressure sequences or bodywork sequences or recipes of sort of, of, of various types. I often forget about them until somebody asks me, hey, have you got a technique for this? You know, and then something out of my heart comes out, and then I and then I share it. So when you said that you you come on my website and then you see an extra course, it's often because I've had enough questions. Mm. And the questions from the community is actually all that I need to go, okay. I want I want to show you how to do this. And I, I prefer doing it that way because I feel as though then I'm serving rather than dictating to, to start off with. And so it's my community that really inspires me.
0: Wow. So good, Jamma, honestly, because I've been thinking a lot about online courses and just where to go next. Um, And I feel like I've learned so much of the divorce process and all that kind of stuff that I would like to share that stuff. But then it's like, does anybody want that? Or, you know, have I lost interest enough to make it count? And I need, I mean, I wanted to get onto this later on about like finding your purpose, but I think the main thing is just waiting to see what turns up.
1: Okay. Okay, well, I, I would like to add to that if that's okay. Yeah. I just wrote a training called the, Your Trauma is the Trajectory. Mm. And so the idea is that whatever has happened has happened for many reasons that cannot be defined by my tiny human mind. But what I can tell you from experiences of trauma is that we have a choice. When we have had a scar, whether it's physical or emotional, how does that scar make us move now? And the management of that scar, how does that enable us to move differently within the world? So when we have an emotional or a physical scar, we have another level of awareness of how we then choose to participate within the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is you have an awareness of relationships, women in your, in who've gone through what you've gone through before, possibly even men and everyone else in between, you know, because you've gone through that. Now I've never gone through a divorce. Yet. And so, yet. And so I am not going to be sensitive to, some of the anxieties that will be in the room. Now, so for example, you know, when we were in yoga teacher training, I would say, please don't say that because it can be triggering for somebody who's burned or drowned or, you know, whatever, 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 because of whatever awareness I have around those types of emotional scars and physical scars. Mm-hmm. And, but you have this awareness. Now you could literally walk into a room and have an awareness of relationships and the way that people interact in them and the, and the stresses that come with them as well and I'm not going to have what you have there and you've had to go through all that you've gone through and I know it was a lot I wasn't there with you the whole way but from what I saw you did a lot of work in in that time Mm. and so when our trauma is our trajectory comes into play when we can appreciate that okay this has happened to me and as a result of this happening to me I'm now shit hot at these list of things I'm just shit hot on them. Naturally, I've not had to do a dual qualification. I'm just now really good at this stuff because of what I've gone through. And that's what you share. So like you know, when you said that about, you know, like is it still interesting? you know, like how do I execute it? I would say, Hannah, tell me, please, what are your five top five things that I can be aware of if I was going through a divorce right now? And then it would be, Hannah, what are your top three, five tips on how to have a conversation, the first conversation with a legal advisor or whatever, you know, or like, Hannah, can you give me your three top tips on how do I have an interpersonal relationship or even dialogue with the person that I'm divorcing at the beginning and the middle at the end? How do I make it so that we can do this in an amicable way? Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have a list of this stuff compared to somebody who doesn't have lists of that stuff.
0: Mm, Interesting. And I think the other thing about doing stuff online is it can often be quite quiet. So you're doing things and you don't necessarily always know what's resonating. And it's not until much later on that someone might be like, oh, I listened to your podcast about when should you leave, for example. Um, and it was really helpful. And I'm like, shit, I did that like seven months ago. And I didn't know if it was being helpful or not.
2: Mm.
0: So a lot of the times you've just got to share. Because especially when people are going through a trauma, like a divorce, maybe they don't actually want to talk to anyone. But that doesn't mean that they're not looking for stuff.
1: Right. It's like, it's like, uh... It's like people who are watching, but they don't tell you that they're watching, you know, and they can't, they can't because maybe they're still in a sticky part of the relationship and it would be too risky to follow the Instagram handle that's divorce RS. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: You might still be like three years away from your divorce, but you're still interested and you're still wanting to know what other signs I need to be looking out for.
1: Yes. I I can confirm that over a couple of decades of teaching now, every now and again, I will hear from somebody who I haven't seen or heard from in years, and they'll drop a message and say, just want to let you know that what you said to me those number of years ago could be something like, I wasn't ready for it, but now I understand, thank you, Yeah, you know, or, or, or you said something years ago and it still stuck with me and just because we're not receiving flowers and cards for every single time we somebody thinks about us. I can't it's, believe it. I can't believe this. Like I want a bouquet. Flowers. I want a bouquet, I want a card and a box of truffles. Me.
0: I want people to throw roses at me like I'm on stage. <laughs> yes. You just have to keep going because Every now and again, you'll get that little glimmer from somebody who's like, "That really, really helped." So I'm like, "Oh, this is why I'm doing it," because it's you forget yeah. it sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think we also have to be very careful that when we forget to continue, as opposed to require. And I'm, I, you know, and I understand this, like when we get caught up in external validation, you know, yeah. I. I understand that. You know, I have that process too, where I'll make a post and I'll be like, how, how come it's not reached anywhere? And then I'll do my whole, oh, this is like probably a bit shit. And then it'll take me a few days later for me to realize that whatever social media platform I'm using has just decided to change its algorithm without letting its users know. It's like, there's a game of life. And you're not letting me know what the rules are which is really how life works but social media life's already treating us like that we don't need you to treat us like that it's
0: just like that. being a robot
1: yeah exactly that's what i need to do, yeah. And
0: to do it. yeah 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 i
1: know
0: that's tricky but um so one of the things i really wanted to talk to you about because i mean it's been so helpful for me working with you in particular and i know your bbc meditation is on this very subject but it's around anxiety because i don't know about you but i just felt like definitely the last few months has been even more than usual around and i wasn't sure if it's me projecting or whether you know like speaking to friends and things online it just seems to be running through our lives as a society much more. And I don't know if you've noticed this too.
1: Much more, much more. It's actually been something that I've been talking about quite a lot. And there are several different factors to what's going on. And the first thing I will say is that thousands of years ago, a spiritual practice evolved because Humanity was being so distracted by the natural forces. And then eventually we were so distracted by natural forces that we experience a form of suffering. And so spiritual practices help to, you know, they help, they touch the the physical body, emotional body, psychological, psychological body, and all that kind of stuff. But really what they do is they help to heal the spirit. And now... You know, what we have to remember is that we are especially post-pandemic as well. And, you know, if you think about it, post-pandemic, nobody has gone and said, oh, I need to go to the countryside. Everyone's gone. I need to go to the things that were no longer open, that were not open during the pandemic, which is not natural environments. It's like the restaurant or the nightclub or the bar or or all that kind of stuff. And so as time goes on, we're moving further and further away from that, which is natural, which causes anxiety. We already know that being out in nature reduces anxiety, breathing fresh air reduces anxiety, but we're not encouraged to do that. And as social media continues to wildly expand in its way, and it's supposed to do that kind of stuff. We, and, and at the same time, rainforests and, and all that kind of stuff are being destroyed, we're moving even further away from that which is natural than we ever have been in the history of humanity.
2: Mm. Then
1: on top of that, what we're exposed to is not only overstimulus, but we're exposed to lots of people telling us how we can be better. And then the people who are telling us how to be better aren't necessarily evolved people. And so I'll give you an example. Recently, I've been noticing on social media, a lot of movement specialists have been saying things such as stop stretching and do functional movement patterns instead. Why? The argument is that people who exist now, we move differently to how we moved even just a hundred years ago. There's even more sitting and standing than before. There's less walking and less kind of like multiple ranges, you know, we we don't climb ladders and trees and all that kind of stuff as much as we used to. So functional movement sequences are very important to satisfy the suffering that is caused by modern day living. Yes, I understand that. But the yogis did the exact same thing. They They looked at nature, they were like, okay, how does nature move? And how can we mimic that to serve what the people need now or what they needed during that time? So and then, of course, and on top of that, there's this, there's this artificial intelligence. So basically, we're moving away from the intelligence that is inherent within life itself. And we're relying on intelligence that is being dictated to us is intelligence. I mean, artificial intelligence. Yes, it it, it 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 is that. But now we're being pushed, right? Like everyone should know how to use AI, chat BT. I mean, and I love all this stuff. I find it very useful. I find it very entertaining. And, and I, I like to keep up with this kind of thing. But if that is all that you have, and uh, you don't breathe, you don't go outside, you don't recognize the sky, the view. Like, I mean, I've got a gorgeous view outside now of, of just hills and it's just green and then clouds and sky if you're not connected to this stuff then you're only connected to one form of intelligence there's a shitload of intelligence outside
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, yesterday it was my birthday and it was also my friends somebody that grew up it was her funeral and I I was walking into the car that I was getting picked up in and as I opened the door a, a murder of crows just appeared you know, and crows are symbolic of showing up at, at, at times of transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could have gone into the day of thinking, oh, you know, this is really sad. Oh, yeah, birth, birthday and death at the same time. There are lots of different types of tears. And then I had a moment where these crows showed up. And, I, and what I was shown by the intelligence of nature itself was this is a time of transition to mm-hmm. transit. Get on the different. Get on. Jambo, just change, Like, look to go from from Newcastle to Glasgow. You're just gonna have to change at Edinburgh. You have to. So just make that transition. Just do it. So I hope I'm making sense because what I'm what I'm trying to say is that nature, that which is natural, has a as a quality of intelligence for us that and we're just. Yeah, we're, we're not
0: tapping it. into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, And I feel like being online, which I know is like everybody's talking about it. Everybody knows it's not great for you, but it's just really hitting home more and more for me now because um, I was on TikTok the other day. I don't really do much on there, uh, but every now and again I'll check in and the algorithm showed me this really horrible video.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm like, I'm a mum who talks about parenting. Why have they shown me this? And it was just before bed,
2: mm-hmm. so then
0: it like completely kicked my nervous system. And I had to like spend an hour reading a, a book just to kind of come down. And I'm like, shit, man, who is, you know, it wasn't put as explicit or anything. And I'm like, my children at some point, or like, you know, teenagers are seeing this stuff. And children in particular, it's like whenever I speak to my mum about um, the teenagers that she's coming into contact with, they're really struggling, really struggling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do we do, Jambo? How do I protect my kids from this?
1: Connect them to the innate intelligence that is within them. Teach them how to feel. Teach them how to develop. And connect to their intuition, which is, you know, like people will ask, what do you have that artificial intelligence does not? You have the ability to heal the spirit. You have the ability to intuit based on having a good relationship with your feelings. Now, it's very important that we spend just a little bit of extra time here because we also live in an age where we will say to people, especially the next generation, do what feels right. That's not the best cue because, okay, you know what, mom, what feels right right now is if uh, you let me out and I want to go drinking with my friends, I'm only 12 or 14 or whatever, you know, but that's what I, that's what I feel like doing. So we actually need to spend time helping the next generation learn how to feel with discernment and feel the truth. And what better way to do that than then just use nature itself. Mm. You know, like, you know, like, I mean, most people now, and I say people, not even young people, don't know where a vegetable comes from. You know, they, they don't know. Like most people now wouldn't know how to be lost in the woods. I mean, we live in the UK. They're not like they're hardly jungles. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know. But but learning how to navigate through life as an actual instinctual animal is gonna help us refine our relationship with our senses. When we refine our relationship with our senses, we're then able to understand or perceive the truth and if we don't do that what we're exposed to is our senses being bombarded with all of these accounts that are telling us what is right what is wrong what is true what is not true and that's not the way to live our lives it's and here the other thing i would suggest is that and i'm not saying that i don't go to bed with my phone you know like cuz i'm i'm i i i have a weird habit of enjoying to learn something before i go to sleep so i understand going to bed with your phone but i'll say this when you go to bed and open TikTok, it's like inviting the whole pub into your bedroom. Ah, to your which bed. I
0: have done in the past.
1: I, I'm sure you. Uh, I'm sure you have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding.
1: No, no, I know. No.
0: But no, I know what you mean.
1: You know, and you so- might
0: do it. Go, because because we're working. Like if you're online, you're like you'll know you've got an online um channels and stuff it's like the scrolling and the catching up with comments and like get some boundaries don't do TikTok at fucking nine o'clock at night
1: yes and 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 then because I'm on social media all the time but it's short bursts Mm -hmm. it's like 15 20 minute bursts and I'm doing stuff and then it's just and then I just get on with it you know and I I see that as a little bit of like you know checking in office time Cause that's, that's the platform that people are communicating on now. And, and then social media experts will teach us how to use these strap lines. Like don't stretch. Stretching is bad for you. And stretching isn't bad for you, but that's what they're told to do to get more attention. And then they get loads of attention and then they're considered the expert. And you're like, it's not necessarily true. Yeah. It's not true.
0: That's the other thing. It's just loads of words that aren't necessarily true.
2: That's
0: right. Our brain is spending all this time being like, what's true? What's false? What should I be doing? What do I need to spend my time on? I, I've got about 20 different things that I want to do. And you're like, well, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I possibly do them all? But it seems like so-and-so online is doing it all, all the time.
1: Yeah. I think I think people have... People have just have very different ways of doing stuff. Like some people have, I think people have different levels of being organized. And I, I I feel that it's just down to that. Like when I when I look at the way that social media managers encourage us to do things, it's very much like spend every Wednesday afternoon a couple of hours preparing all of these posts or preparing all these reels and and all that kind of stuff but we're people right we're people we're empathic we're intuitive we're very heart-based people and we would just want to share what is organic in the moment and then a social media manager will say well you would have more you would hold your people better if you strategically do it in this way so I and I, I, I need to do a little bit of both like let's say I have Like the warrior heart thing coming out, then I'll prepare a couple of posts that I'll have rolling out over the next couple of weeks. But you still have to be you and have to have that organic experience of you. Otherwise, that exercise in itself keeps us trapped in that. Or what's intelligent? You need both.
0: You do. You definitely do. Because, and I think if you just rely on the heartfelt post, Every day you you fall into a trap of being like, oh God, I need to like bear myself at Instagram later and I can't
1: think of anything. That's right, that's right. Um, but
0: you definitely need a bit of both.
1: You definitely need a bit of both. Uh, there's something that I would like to share though around uh, anxiety and purpose is if, if you're okay with that.
0: Yeah, please.
1: I'm going to tell you know,
0: like, because I know lots of people come to you with this. They're like, what do I do with myself?
1: Okay, well first of all, we recognize where is the anxiety coming from? Because a lot of people out there are going to be anxious because of work. Like we have this really interesting narrative in the world right now around money. Everyone's afraid that money's disappearing. Money has never vanished off the planet. If anything, as time goes on, the planet makes more money. And also, everyone needs to remember that money is a made-up thing. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember which, which leader said this, but it was a very interesting quote where when all of the rivers and the oceans have dried out, and when all of the trees have stopped bearing fruit, and all of the animals have died, humans will recognize, will finally realize that we can't eat money. <laughs> You know, I can't remember which genius said that, but <clears throat> but it's always stuck with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we have to remember why why we have anxiety. And so, like, let's say you have anxiety because you have a job, right? And, you know, jobs these days are not always supportive of the individual. Often they are ways to, to just to coax you to do something so that somebody else can get rich, for example. But anyway... But like or you don't like your job, and maybe you have anxiety because you dislike what you do. Well, then you need to sort that out. Like there's nothing that you can do. You, you can do all the you can do all the meditation in the world, but it's an elastoplast over the issue that you're really facing, which is you can't fucking stand your job. Yeah. No. So the the anxiety that I really want to focus on is when an anxiety because of an unknown fear. This is something that I'm very, very interested in at the moment. And it's actually come about because of the times I spend on planes. And I noticed recently when there was some turbulence, there's a little bit more of a fright on the plane. Whereas before the pandemic, I never remembered within myself or with the, you know, the other passengers that people were just go, oh, we're just going through turbulence. But these days I've noticed, oh, there's a little bit more fright present. Mm. And so when that happens, it's usually because there's already an embedded experience of anxiety or fear. And then this, the, the, whatever is going on triggers that within us. And so I, I identify with this anxiety as the fear of the unknown, and a lot of people are afraid of, of, of what's gonna happen next. Like people don't know if they have enough money to pay their electric bill, you know, it's, et cetera, et cetera. And so what happens in East Asian medicine is that when we are in fear, when we're in fright and anxiety, the spirit isn't grounded within us. Our spirit isn't grounded within us. And when our spirit isn't grounded within us, it's we're not focused. So it's like when we're full of spirit, we're happy, we're joyous, we take things in our stride, we're very accept well, not very, but we're more accepting of things that can arise, you know, when we have more spirit embodied, like, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm having such a wonderful existence, our existence is wonderful, so it doesn't really matter, right? So how do we get to that point? And that's really what I want to talk about. So there's a particular acupressure sequence. And you know how I I love to teach this stuff.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I want to share. And there's two points. One of them is called kidney 25 and the other is called heart seven. And so with a combination of these two points together actually creates, invites spirit in to our body. And then spirit kind of, because spirit is so much wiser than us, it takes over. And this particular sequence, I find extremely downregulating, like I love to do it right before I go to sleep, because it just knocks me out. But also, if I have like an an unnecessary fear, like, you know, in, in, in my work, one of the things that I sometimes become fearful about is, will people like my work? And will people understand me? And the reason why I often have that thought is because I don't see anyone else that's doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And how I'm doing it, and sometimes I create days that feel very radical, and I get fearful. Oh gosh, like what do these people think? I've finally lost the plot, <laughs> you no? Know? But but then the reason mind, like when I'm in my intelligence state, will go, lad, you've done this for the last decade. You just created stuff that is suitable for the people that you're working with, like, you know, get over yourself. You've been doing this for such a long time. Why are you still worried about it, right? Yeah. So this type of sequence helps with that. So first of all, you locate the collarbone
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then underneath the collarbone, between the collarbone and the second rib, there's, some, there's an intercostal space between the rib cage. So this is kidney 27. And then you wanna go, so collarbone, first rib in between those two sternum is here and I'm just off of the sternum my fingers are in these spaces that just fit in between the ribs so this is kidney 27 here and you want to go down one and that's kidney 26 and then you want to go down another one this is kidney 25 and so if you hold here and make some circles until you can locate some sensitive areas and then once you've got those sensitive areas hold and breathe deeply so Kidney25 is known as the storehouse of the spirit. It's like the garage or the the, the the storage room where you keep the things that you really, really need to have that you can't really throw away for, for many reasons. But this is the storehouse of the spirit. So we're now going into that part of where spirit resides within us. And we're like, okay, we need to make some room in here. We need to clean things up. We need to redecorate. And like I, when I when I hold here, I always imagine something like a really big warehouse,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just a huge warehouse where, where it's just full of, like if I imagined like what kind of warehouse would I go into that would get me really, really excited, would probably be one of those warehouses where all the crystals and all of the minerals and all of the supplements were stored, you know, and I'd be like, oh my word, this is paradise, you know, like I something like that. I
0: was thinking of um, Stacey Solomon does like a massive decluttering thing and she literally empties someone's house and puts it in a warehouse and they have to go through the whole lot and decide what they're getting rid of.
1: Amazing. I think you told me about her before. Have I? Yeah.
0: Sounds like me.
1: (laughs) Okay. And then so after Kidney 25, we'll be here for a couple of minutes. Then we go to Heart 7, which is located underneath the little finger side of the wrist. And there's a little spot in here where you can just shove your fingertip in. And it's a, like, a dif- different type of ache, maybe a different type of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And heart seven is known as the gateway of the spirit. So this is literally the door where we invite, where we open to invite spirit in. Now, the heart houses the spirit. So when we're working on these heart points here, we're inviting the, the spirit to be embodied and grounded within the heart. And when we can do that, we have more heart intelligence. And heart intelligence is better than brain intelligence. And so to add on to the piece that we were talking about earlier, you know, if we can't get our young people into nature, then get them into their hearts.
2: Mm.
1: But, you know, nothing is going to to beat the power of that which is natural. I keep looking out the window here because it's just gorgeous and you know we uh, we are human beings we're part of nature yeah you know it's just part of it and so the more that we separate ourselves from the thing that we're part of no wonder we have anxiety
0: yeah and there's so much um I just think agoraphobia is huge now as well people just not wanting to go and I get it too sometimes I'll be like I've just come home. I I feel knackered. I've just dropped the kids off. I'm on my own now. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to see anyone. And the problem with that, especially if you're a bit of an extrovert, is it makes you feel worse. Mm. It's like even just getting out and going to the beach Mm. can feel too much. But actually, that's the thing. That's the medicine.
1: That's the medicine. Let's do the other side, yeah? I I, So... in Newcastle here. So I think my closest chunk of space like that, aside from the fields right in front of me here, is probably Jasmine Dean.
0: Yeah. And then I,
1: yeah. And or even the River Tyne, you know? And then I'll I'll, I'll make up these excuses of no, 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 because I'll bump into someone and then I won't be peaceful. I'll just end up having a conversation or whatever. Okay. And then I go, right, you're going to go outside and you're going to stand on the grass. If that's how you're being. Yeah. Just get your ass outside, stand next to a tree. You know, everyone will think and and you know, I I grew up in a in a time where standing next to a tree meant you were an idiot, you know.
0: <laughs> what does it mean now?
1: What does it mean now where well, there are fewer trees now? So I think people just have different attitudes about standing by a tree now, you know.
0: It's so magical being in the woods though, when you actually go into woods. There's definitely like sprites and fairies, and mm-hmm. like and yeah, just it. you just yeah. can't like that's where stories are born.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, actually, if there's something else I'd, I'd like to add. I heard a lyric earlier on today where I don't know a problem that was too big for a dance. Ooh. You know, and I thought, I mean, obviously there are problems that you can't sort out with a dance, but it just made me think about human movement moving so out of just probably
0: about like distraction as well like while you're moving your body you're not obsessing and overthinking yes and then that gives your heart and your intuition time to go here's the solution
1: that's it that's it and then and then you know yourself eventually it gets to a point where you your feelings transition to an experience of deep knowing Mm. And that is where I would like to see the next generation of people being taken to like the deep like I know that is the best decision for me right now. I just know. and I feel that that comes from learning how to be inside and learning to be able to like you know if 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 they can compare what happens to them after they've been out in nature versus what happens to them after they've been on the internet all day, Things like that will eventually show the next generation where the answers really are.
0: Yeah. But even, I mean, even we know it's hard to it takes an amount of like being your own parent and going, you are gonna go outside and you are gonna breathe
2: and you yeah. are gonna walk
0: and you are gonna yeah. potentially have to talk to somebody you don't want to, but you know. And that, that it's learning that stuff, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. There's, so there's also that, which is why people like yourself, you know, and doing what you're doing in the world is really important. Because, you know, the more people that learn how to just basically parent themselves. The faster we're going to move through this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> One of this, I wrote like a list of 30 things that I felt were great from my 30s. Because a lot of my 30s, like second half especially, was a bit hard and a bit sad. And so I think when I was turning 40, I was like, oh, feeling like I was dreading it. But really, I realised it's because I was feeling like the last five years almost were wasted.
2: Mm -hmm. It's
0: like, that isn't true at all. So I'd written like 30 things that were great from my 30s. Um, And one of them was... Becoming obsessed with steps because <laughs> it's like get not the band, don't get okay.
1: step. <laughs> Ste- walking steps, like walking like yeah, going okay. like
0: you need to get your 10,000 steps. Yeah, and it's okay. like a checky list. Yeah, you don't have to think about it anymore.
1: Okay,
0: just fucking go for a walk and get your 10,000 yeah. steps.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: And that's self parenting, isn't it? That kind that's of it. creating that's... checklists for your day that you know are going to help you whether
1: you like it or not that's it i said like you know like waking up in the morning (laughs) how about that one (laughs) no no, that's 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 not my 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 biggest battle my biggest battle with that one is probably when to go to sleep yeah i don't want to go to bed yeah and so i have to say to myself like all right you no, know, tomorrow you got a big day. You did really awesome today. You know, <laughs> you enough today. You know, I have to do this chat with myself until I and then, you know, about 20 minutes later when I'm still in that chat, then I then then I can get to a point where I can go, okay, Jambo, just go to bed right now. But it sometimes it takes 15, 20 minutes of that self talk.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Even like when you're in bed. Um, Okay, now I'm going to put my phone down.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: (sighs) So I guess to finish off, I've got a couple of little notes here about, um, because I remember when I first turned up to yoga teacher training and you're like, why are not you looking at me? What's going on? And I was like, I just don't know what to do with my life anymore and you started to tell me about the for your 40s and the fact that your nose is um your 40s that's right and like right. A big time of transition
1: that's right
0: would you mind reminding me what you
1: said uh, okay I'll, I'll try to remember but uh, i would have I'd imagine that I was talking about critical transitions, which is funny that we talk about this now because it's something that I want to post about later on today. So the critical transitions are usually when we move through decades. And they usually happen a couple of years before. So like, you know, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, you know, like that kind of maybe even 43. It depends on the shape of the nose. So the nose is symbolic of your 40s. The eyes and eyebrows are symbolic of your 30s. So most people have the upper bridge of the nose going inwards, right? And then the nose comes out. So the more parts of your face come out are indicative of when we are out in the world. So Mm -hmm. most people during 30s and 40s have this transition of feeling as though that they either feel as though they want to go inwards and be more reflective or they try to push themselves out where out there and it doesn't work.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: because it's not meant to be like that. So so Oless can I you turn your head to the side let's have a look at yours. Okay, so yours goes in quite quite deeply, right? So I would say for your early 40s it's time to go inwards, it's time to be more reflective, it's time to Prepare yourself for the mid 40s onwards, because that's when things are going to go crazy, Mm
2: -hmm. like crazy
1: out there in the world. So what is it that you need to prepare yourself to do or to have? And like I remember during my early 40s, so I'm 42 now. But when we look at the ages of the face, it's always one year more. So I'm now 43. Basically, we consider East, East Asia, we consider the time that you are in the womb is your first year. So when you're born, you're one. Okay. The idea of that, and so although you're now forty, you're actually forty-one. So you probably just got one more year of needing to be quiet and stuff, and then it'll become interesting again. Cool. Now I remember, uh, yeah, I I remember when I was like forty, either forty or forty-one. I can't remember which one it was. Feeling it was forty i feeling it was 40, but it felt like hell for me because I was having to do all this stuff online. And there was a couple of events that just turned really, really sour. And I only agreed to do them because, I mean, like, I, you know, I've never really cared about a very big event. But on this particular occasion, it was a very big event. Lots of speakers. I thought, OK, I'll participate because I don't do this kind of thing. But it actually went completely not in a good way. And I suffered a lot from it. But actually in hindsight now, when I look back, I realized I was supposed to go through that critical, critical transition. So what I'm saying for anybody that is moving through their decades, it's often people will feel as though they want to be reflective of what they've achieved or what they haven't achieved and where they wanna go next. Yeah. Actually, during the period of a critical transition, an ideal question or a better question to ask yourself is, who do I want to be when I'm 45? Because that's who, that's who you should be living as now. Right? Because, you, you know, you've never been 45 before. You know what it's like to get through your 30s, and you're now 40. And you're probably worrying about how to be a 40-year-old. 40, 40 well, a 40-year-old will have the sense and the experience to prepare to be 45.
0: Where my nose suddenly goes. Right. quite a pointy nose.
1: That's right. So later on in your 40s, even better, you know.
0: Oh, who do I want to be when I'm 45? That's like, what do you want to be when you grow up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the, I'm, you know, you're like, we, things are, we just have different priorities now. Mm. Different. Like. Like, who do I want to be when I'm 45? I want to be healthy. I want to be at peace. And I want to be one of the the, the best version of myself. So now at 42, when I really want to go out tonight to go dancing or something like that, as, as an example, I'll ask myself, okay, what, what can I do right now? I mean, last night, Last night, I was so tired from this really long day. I really didn't want to meditate. I just wanted to go to bed. But I just stopped and asked myself, like, what can I do right now that will make me feel like I'm a better person tomorrow? That's it. And I was like, hey, you know what? Just close your eyes for a moment. And I meditated for not a long period, but that was that was the the question instigated the activity of meditation because I was feeling more into who, who am I going to be for the rest of my life? Not, who do I need to be when I'm 42? Because this isn't going to be the rest of my life.
0: Mm. And the other thing that sort of ties in with this, thinking about transitions, is the fact that it's rabbit, it's a water rabbit year. So this is not the time to be going all like reflective and inward and-
1: Not too much, no. Not not too much. Because water likes to do that. And because we're water yin, which means water, water, excess water, we don't want to dive any deeper into this ocean that we're already in. Now, the rabbit energy is very much symbolic of earth energy. So springtime. So it's not that we're not supposed to go out there. We are supposed to have these outward spring-like energy. Like, you know, I recommend for you, like, continue pushing with your podcast. Continue doing all the brilliant stuff that you're doing on social media. You know, could, but but don't worry about being the divorce guru, for example. And I know that's not what you're trying to be, you know, like, but I'm saying like, so for me, like, it's like, okay, how can I like, still do what you're doing? Still burst out and share with the world, but uh, oh, would I want to be when I'm 50? Well, I, I hope to be a much better business person by the time I'm 50. Mm-hmm much much better and so instead of worrying about it right now what can i do actually i can make some tiny investments tiny tiny investments which is what i'm doing and i mean they're tiny check this out like i got this from a from a TikTok finance person the
2: every- actual.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know i know i know i know but i actually really enjoy their channel uh every day open your account and the last digit on your account move it to a different to a savings account yeah and then just do this every day for a week and see what you save
2: nice
1: things like that and I thought that that was that was really interesting and so you know I'm playing with activities like that so there's small amounts they're not like you know you've got from one to nine like each day <laughs> you're not going to be moving more than nine pounds per day it's not a huge amount of money
0: yeah
1: you know and it's and so if I spend these early years of my 40s experimenting with this stuff it you know it's going to prepare for the entrepreneur that is to be born in his in in my Mm mid-40s nice
0: yeah yeah, that's great and the other thing you would said to me at the training was it's about refining at the moment like working trying stuff I guess and seeing what sticks and what creates opportunities oh (laughs) jambo
1: was that helpful that's been
0: amazing thank you so much thank you I love talking to you
1: I love you know I love talking to you too and I I I always hope that these things uh, I come across clear and uh, with some useful advice because it's very easy to just get caught up in the conversation and forget that other people are listening to this
0: no, you definitely made some yeah. really interesting points. And um, in terms of the body work sequence you've shown, we'll mm. link in the show notes to like the points where they actually are so people can find them. Great. I love that. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Jumbo. Okay,
1: thank you, Hannah. I hope I see you soon.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. All right. Big hugs and happy birthday week.
0: Thank you. You too. Love you. You too. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe, and of course, if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode, then please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me through either Instagram at mumsdays or through my website mumsdays.com.